1: I regret to inform you, we may have a left back crisis, but the good news is we're all prepared for it. This is the Arsenal Vision post match podcast. My name is Alex Vithikovac, man. Twitter Yankee Gunner. That's right. Look, we went through uh, losing a left back last season and watching it have absolutely no negative effect on our run in whatsoever. So I am sure losing Kieran Tierney for the season, as we have done, and we wish him well, and we are sorry to see him go, uh, will have no impact on this season. I imagine that may be a part of the discussion today. Not. Our best performance, I think it's fair to say, at Crystal Palace, I will point out that Tottenham Hotspur, which everyone suddenly thinks is an amazing team, they're all, oh, they're so good. They lost 3-0 at Palace. Manchester City lost 0-0 uh, at Palace, if that's a thing. Uh, Chelsea just lost 4-1 to Brentford. This stuff can happen. We got to find a way to shake it off, but it may not be so easy. Obviously, injuries to party, the continued absence of Tomiyasu, who will be out a further two games at least, and the season-ending injury to Kieran Tierney, which does not have Clive mad uh, at all about international break stuff. Yeah, it's all an uphill battle, and Mikel Arteta has work to do. I think we'll go pretty big picture today on how we go forward from here, because I think that is really a fascinating conversation. But of course, we'll go through the errors, and we'll try to explain why that um, turd floated up to the top of the bowl yesterday. Before we do that, um, I I just, look, especially when you lose heavily, no one wants to start with a feel-good story. But the feel-good story is this. Uh, Andrew Arsblog has given his entire monthly Patreon revenue to charity we are giving and have already given to charity. And we're asking you to do the same at our Just Giving page for the Arsenal Foundation. We've worked really closely behind the scenes with the Arsenal Foundation and nominated a, a fund that is perfect because this fund helps children. And it helps children who are refugees from the war in Ukraine, but also fundamentally and crucially stays focused on areas that do not get the media attention they deserve, whether that be Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, ethiopia having a particularly bloody civil war unfortunately Kashmir. so they are able to direct funds certainly to the ukrainian refugee children who need it desperately but also to direct funds to areas that are not getting the attention they need so i feel really proud of this um I just, for me, this is one of those situations I think, like Andrew felt, at some point you look at what the world has been through the last couple of years and you say, we can do something here and you dig your heels in and you say, this far and no farther, we do something now, no matter how small it is, no matter what the impact, we're going to do something. And to do it with the Arsenal Foundation and bring the community together, Like that's as special as it gets because all of this stuff we do cheering for the club and supporting the club and rooting for them through thick and thin, high and low, or sometimes yelling at them through, <laughs> through high and low. Um, we can do so many other things as a community. And we launched this yesterday morning. We're 60% of the way to go. And it's just a reflection. And I, we, we picked to go 50,000 pounds. And in the back of my mind, I thought, I don't know that we can get there. And to be 60% one day in is extraordinary. I'm asking you, we are asking you to give. You can go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com. Click Charity. It'll take you to the page on Just Giving. It's the easiest way to get there, but you can go to the Just Giving page as well, uh, slash fundraising slash AVP gives. But just go to the Arsenal Vision podcast site, click charity. Here's the thing, though. One quick final point. We're gonna do something really, really fun to make this kind of a a great um, contribution. We're gonna have an auction. Worry about that later. <clears throat> Every five pounds of donation you give is a ticket to the sweepstakes to win a place in a VIP box at the Emirates for Everton on the final day to relegate Frank Lampard, to relegate Tottenham to Europa League as we take Champions League. Andrew from Ars- <clears throat> from the Arscast will be there. Tim will be there. Clive will be there. Paul will be there. I will be there. You will be in a VIP box. There'll be visitors from the club every five pounds you give. enters you to win that. And like, even though it's a big goal, it's only going to be probably a thousand or so people that give, you know, and, and, and we're so thankful for that. But that means there's a real chance to win this thing if everybody listening right now gave five pounds, we'd like smash the goal many times over. So I really hope you'll give, Tim, I just want to ask you, you've been going for years and years and years and years and years. Home mm-hmm. Away. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done the VIP boxing? I have never been in a VIP box, any sport, anywhere, anytime
2: once. Uh, and it was with the foundation as well, about 10 years ago, they have something is slightly different though. They have something called a super box at Arsenal where basically they knock two boxes into one. Um, so it's a 24 person rather than a 12 person. And usually like the foundation will use it or someone, you know, like, or the club will use it with a sponsor that they're trying to, you know, keep sweet or something. It's, it's kind of, it's, um, nobody, I think I'm right in saying nobody owns that box. It's like the clubs for their use, but, um, I've never been in like a, in, in this type of box, which I believe is, is more intimate.
1: It, yeah. It's 12 people. Look, I, I want, I want to be clear. I will be abusing the champagne, like uh, uh, recklessly. I just want to be clear about that. Yeah, I mean, Clive, you're fancy, so I assume you've been...
3: Yes, I've been a few, times it's, uh, it's <laughs> a few times.
1: Did you fly on your PJ to get there? <laughs> uh,
3: it's uh, yeah, it's very nice. um I think you know what, Tim. That twenty-four person box. You know who I think used to own that was a certain Usmanov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, he was. He was. Anything he was allowed. Tim's so. got blood
1: on his hands. You heard it here first.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I've been there. It's very really nice. They got a, a separate level to the club levels. One up love your food around there. The boxes are nice, nice food. Nice.
1: Yeah, they drink. bring the food right in. They bring the drinks right in. The seats yeah. are right there. I mean, you the seats are you right outside really the get, window. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful.
3: It's you really You really get to nice.
1: ignore the realities of life. Um, I'm not even sure like a bad result could permeate the, the joy of that experience, but you're going to be there watching me be a, a complete lunatic while picking the brains of, of great football minds. Paul, can you at least be with me in my non-fanciness and say that you've never been, or have you been as well?
4: I have not been. Uh, Thank does you. See, does seem strangely appropriate that it would be Yuzmanov's box, but
1: we're not we're not going to be in the Yuzmanov box. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> exactly. Don't worry about that. Well, to be not fair, it isn't like Yuzmanov's box.
4: Let's not tar the. You cup. and I are <laughs> going box to box, drinking. Oh, oh Yeah.
1: I, I mean, look. By the time it's halftime, I will not know how to get back to the box <laughs> from the toilets. I can assure you that. Okay. Uh, More of the story. Please give generously. We love you for doing it. This community is the most. Wonderful thing uh, in my life outside of my wife and children and parents who I have am legally obligated to name, but thank you. Thank you so much. And, and as I said, we've given, we'll continue to do so. Every five pounds, you get a chance to enter that. Okay, I managed to do that in under five-ish minutes. I hope you don't mind, but obviously a worthy cause. And it's, it's five minutes we're spared of having to talk about the football. Tim, there is a tendency at this time of the season to overreact to results. And I have to admit, I got a little flash of the Emery season when a Crystal Palace game didn't go our way and it cost <laughs> us top four, and yeah. I, I had to resist that temptation. But what makes this stand out, right? Like, this run was always going to have a, a bump along the way, right? We weren't going to win every game all the way to the run-in. I mean, we could have, uh, but I don't think we were going to. The thing that makes this one really difficult to analyze is the extent to which so many players who have been so good just didn't show up. Weird, bad touches from Odegaard. Total lack of control from Thomas. Party Gabriel asleep. You know, Nuno Tavares. We'll, we'll get on to him maybe a little bit later. Um, I thought Saka struggled to get involved. Just a across and Cedric. You know, I think we finally saw the the level from Cedric we might have been worried about. Like, <clears throat> how do you explain a group collectively failing to match the physicality, the intensity, and the quality of the opposition? after so long being so good?
2: Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting question, isn't it? And uh, probably the question on all of our lips. I, I, if we could answer it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, part of the truth anyway, um, I think there's a lot of things going into this. I think part of the truth is just that Crystal Palace had our number and they had they had our number at the Emirates in October as well. And you referenced some of the results they've had this season against some of the bigger teams. It it really seems like Patrick Vieira is a manager who does his homework and is quite good at mitigating against the strengths of other teams. And Palace, I mean, Palace have undergone a complete transformation in the way they play. This could not be more opposite to the way Roy Hodgson had them set up because um and I watched them closely against Man City. They were so aggressive, um, in, in terms of their press. I don't mean in terms of like Stoke City um, he's a good lad and loves his mum aggression um, like this was Conor Gallagher type just getting in your face not giving you a second to settle and, and I think that's probably the closest thing to the truth is that Palace just had our number um, in, and particularly in the first half and, and we were a bit shook by it and the thing is sometimes you can be a bit shook for half an hour in a game but they punished us with two goals and the weird thing is I mean it, it's kind of a A redundant comment but from the 30th minute to the 90th minute I thought we were okay I thought we were decent but the damage was already done and obviously to some extent Palace knew they'd already inflicted the damage and didn't have to go chasing after us anymore but I I think the main truth is that they they just like they rattled us um, quite frankly with their approach and the way they played and not only that we just we gave stupid goals away to them as well and that's That that's fundamentally where this game was won and lost. When Palace had their chances, they scored them. And Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal didn't have any till they were two 0 down, but they did have chances to come back into the game and miss them. Um, but I, that first half an hour was just so so damaging. And I think to concede basically to Palace's first attack just really knocked Arsenal's confidence, really knocked them off their stride. And by the time they got their stride back, the game was already gone. Um, so really, I think that it was a disastrous first 30 minutes. That's my assessment of the game after that. I think we were right. Um, and I think we we kind of got back on a level footing. It was just too late by then.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, look, I don't want to portray what I'm about to say as suggesting that this was a game where we played well or we were even or anything like that. But... You know, I think if you take the penalty out, because a penalty is like a .7 expected goal chance, Palace were .7 and we were one. So, you know, on unexpected goals. So the only reason I bring that up is to make the point that, like, to Tim's point, we lost the physical battles, we didn't match their energy, we made a couple of silly errors that gift them goals and we're out of the game and that's that. And, like, the one really big difference in this game versus other games, we've had stretches of some games during this run where we haven't had our best, but we've been tight, Defensively, We've been well positioned. We haven't been exposed. And as a result, you can then get back in the game. Well, when you gift two sloppy goals with a lot of errors, um, you're not you're out of the game, right? And then even though I thought we were better in the second half, it, it's too late. And the funny thing is, you know, there was a time not so long ago when any time we had a bad performance, I was certainly willing to point a finger at Mikel Arteta. <clears throat> I don't think there's any finger to be pointed at Mikel Arteta. And in fact, I think every sub he made was probably the, call, the called for sub and made at the right time and did produce an improvement in our performance. It just was not recoverable once we were behind. Yeah,
2: the, the, mm-hmm. the, the real worry as well as the injuries from this game is the kind of, does this mean we've been sussed um, a little bit or is it just that Palace sussed us? Because Palace sussed Man City and nobody else has done that, but we're not Man City. <laughs> so that that's really the question. And I think we'll go a long way to finding that answer on Saturday.
1: Yeah, yeah, well said. And Paul, just really quickly on the, I, on the goals i i can't really look past this the, the goals because they they basically made the game a non-issue at that point but even before that we saw from Thomas Party and Martin Odegaard some real sloppiness and an uncharacteristic poor decision making and it made me realize how central they have been to the success we've had i mean there was one moment where Odegaard has the ball in the half space edge of the final third Bukayo Saka's running in behind the fullback. he couldn't be more available and Odegaard just turns around and tips it back, maybe maybe to Cedric or maybe to Party, whoever it was. But like, just very uncharacteristic. There were a lot of sloppy touches, sloppy layoffs that we haven't seen in a while. And and I think it is easy sometimes to blame your own players and not see what the opposition are doing. Well, I th- I thought Palace showed great intensity. They competed physically at a very very high level. You know, I remember in the Discord in our match day chat, everyone kept saying we just got to ride out these twenty minutes. Surely they can't keep this energy going for the whole game. Um, and and the crowd there was making a making it a really difficult sort of cauldron environment. But I, I'm curious how you explain the, the party and Odegaard performances and, and their contribution to us not getting off to a good start. I think Clive mentioned in the instant reaction, and I don't want to steal Clive's genius, but I'm just going to, that Odegaard comes back from international break and drops two out of tens routinely. So what's the deal? Why why those two? What did you see that, that didn't work in their performances?
4: Uh, they were both sloppy. I don't know... There's a lot to say on it. You could find reasons why. I mean, uh, Clive uh, in the the WhatsApp beforehand was talking about um, how party had scored one of the most significant goals in Ghanaian history. Uh, Arteta did warn of this beforehand about uh, the emotional drop that comes for players after uh, being away uh, playing important games for their country. Uh, I thought it might be why Martinelli wasn't starting but Smith Rowe was you know Smith Rowe been local uh Martinelli's first game for the Sodecio or so mm mm-hmm. Selesao who Tim who, who Selesao so so would even so know saw. there it is <laughs> so there <go>. <laughs> Yeah, I do yeah. Okay. Um so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh but it turned out it was party, um, a much more experienced hand, but a much more emotional trip further to go. Um like I do think there's something in that. And of course he was pressed to hell by Connor Gallagher, but not every time. In fact, some of his sloppier, sloppiest passes was were when he wasn't pressed. Um <clears throat> And so, like, I do agree with the general view, having watched it again, that, uh, you know, we did just have to ride it out. And in the, the period we had to ride it out, we conceded two stupid goals. I mean, from a set piece, we haven't been doing that all season. Um, And, you know, Gabriel's, he's just had a, a kid and he's probably bleary eyed. There was a really good analysis on Sky Sports, Wayne Rooney, and Jamie Carraher about how Gabrielle takes an extra or a, a short step instead of a full step when he's going for the ball that's why it skates off his head and then hits off Nuno um mm. and like how do you legislate for that if you're the manager like uh the Arscast was was really good I haven't got all the way through it but they start off with the how can the same question plastic, how,
1: plastic Arscast fan there Have you yeah, it all the way I, through it you had time
4: yeah yeah. Uh, I'm working on it. I got a longer run later on I'll listen to it. But anyway, they have this um conversation around uh Arteta saying we need to come out strong uh for this game uh to kind of be full full out of win you know win our challenges and stuff and yet we you know the discussion was well why didn't we i think it's a bit like two sumo wrestlers like they both mm, know i was
1: gonna say that too you. yeah
4: <laughs> they like they pull up their thing and then they both know to just like when it goes you but like one guy's always that bit more intense, especially if he's got the home crowd, like I'm sure Tim and Clive can talk to this a lot better, but that that feels like a really small ground when the crowds behind you, even if you come at a pretty full measure after but after an interlull, and Palace have that behind them, and that's their you know they're young energetic that's their game plan that's that's like 90 percent of it i actually think until the first goal you know we were in or thereabouts i mean they were a little stronger we we had to ride it out but we were actually beginning to play it out from the back and connect and we had a couple of moments uh that could have turned into things then we give away a stupid free kick from uh ben white that was unnecessary uh uh Zahas over by the touchline <clears throat> um and uh just a stupid fucking goal and like that's the section the the section between the two goals is when we are terrible absolutely abysmal i think we're rattled i think we're like oh jesus christ um because the 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 level of intensity in our challenges before and after is quite different we're not like they're a little more intense. Well, they're a fair bit more intense, but we're still going at it for the first, what is it? The, their first goal is like on 17 minutes. Up to that point, not so bad. It's kind of ride it out territory. And then after that, we're abysmal. And then they score on 23 minutes. Um, and then I, I think we're still bad for a few minutes after that. <laughs> we kind of kind of gather our feet like a boxer. It's kind of like your head clears Um, There's a break or two in the play. We get our shit together and we then begin to start to play football. But by then you're two goals down. Um, But the sloppiness throughout the game, like there isn't a good reason for it. Uh, You can can see enough of the elements of how we play good football that didn't come to fruition early enough. Um, And the sloppiness just kind of takes it apart. You can't do that. You just can't do it. It won't hold water.
1: Yeah, well... Clive, I mean, I, I think we've put off then a topic that most people would have near the top of the show uh, for as long as possible as I want to do. There really are no easy choices now. I want to emphasize this. With no Thomas Party, with no Kieran Tierney, with no Tomiyasu, there are no easy choices and big, big decisions have to be made. We saw Shaka left back last season in the run-in. It's one thing to do that if you have Thomas Party. It's another thing to do that if you don't have Thomas Party. There's no easy, easy choices, but the easiest choice is to stick with Nuno Tavares, a player who has immense physical gifts, who is extremely inexperienced, who has looked good at times this season, but in consecutive appearances in a cup and in the league has been taken off at halftime, maybe partly tactically and, and maybe largely performance oriented as well. I will point out, this is someone who in his entire professional career over the last three seasons has made a grand total of 31 league starts. And... 24 of them are in, uh, were for Benfica. I mean, the, the guy just has not played a lot of top level football and he hasn't played in a really, really long time for Arsenal, minus a half in, in a cup. Clive, before we address how this situation should be resolved, I'd love to hear your take on the Nuno Tavares performance because I think the two errors for the goal, which he is intimately involved in, make it difficult. To otherwise examine anything he did, but I'm I'm curious. You've watched the game again. You've really had a good look at him. What's your take?
3: Yeah. So first <laughs> things first. Chris Palace beat us fair and square. They they roughed us up. They they did what I thought. We had a conversation the other week about doing something different, and we had this. It ain't broke, so it ain't broke. So why should we try and fix it? And I was worried about this day because I could see things in the Liverpool game and the Villa game, which I thought needed addressing. In our build-up in our attacking areas, but hey, look, we are where we are. I thought there was an opportunity to try certain players like Nuno to make sure they weren't cold. So now we have a cold player coming in. I watched a half again. I think when you have a when you have a game that had literally ten players who were below their level, you we all go certain places, and I tried to think about the narrative behind why we go certain places. So obviously Nuno's narrative was in last game. He got took off. I don't think he was great in that last game. But in this game, he could have took off any one of 10. He, he literally could have done. On the goals, so let's talk about the goal, right? Let's talk about the first goal, for example. Um, ben White comes out, smashes someone unnecessarily. Good free kick from Gallagher into the back stick. Gabriel, who I think was probably one of our worst players on the day, and reasons were totally understandable. He had a moment of his life, totally understandable. right? So doesn't, doesn't get his feet moving. One yard off, deflects it onto someone's head, goal. Nuno ducks under it, probably thinks he's going out to play. So he ducks under it. He hits somebody, who wasn't even looking at it, across the box, headed goal, right? So on the second goal, um, they call it like a, you, you get on the zigzag, right? The back line wasn't, wasn't where it should be. So. Mm-hmm. Gabriel jumps out of this line, and the first thing you do as a fullback is you cover around. Nuno didn't cover all the way around. That was his mistake. Once you drop deep, then cover. Do you know what I mean? Don't, Don't drop deep and then don't do anything. He didn't track the run, but Gabriel should have cut it out. Again, he was one yard off like he was on the first goal. He was one yard off on the second goal. One yard makes a big difference. One yard sharper, that's a clearance. right? So, And then he gets in behind there. And I looked at the rest of the game. A little a couple of dodgy passes with one short back pass to the goalkeeper, and he got, he got away with it. But everything else is quite conservative. He wasn't run past by anybody, right, and won a couple of aerial challenges. And I thought, okay, he, was, he wasn't great, but he wasn't, like, shockingly bad. Do you know what I mean? Wasn't sh- I, th- I felt there was a nervousness in that left-hand channel, but I think it was both of them. I don't think it was just one of them. I think Gabriel probably had his worst game. You know, for me, and he didn't look ready to play. If anything, the Nuno, mis- the Nuno mistakes was he wasn't Nuno. He didn't drive enough. He was quite conservative. He didn't drive, he didn't disappear. Normally, he gets it, moves it, and just drives on. You know, and I think he felt tentative. And so, if anything, I want him to be more like himself. And if I, you know, just keep pushing, keep pushing, get on the front foot, drive, get up behind people, run past people. Challenge people (laughs) offensively, defensively. He's okay. He's not, for me, it's defensive awareness, the issue. But because he got taken off, the natural tendency to think, well, that's a shocker, absolute shocker. That's the reason why. And I don't agree. And I I said before the podcast, he should be the first name of the team. You know what I mean by that. For me on Saturday, he has to play. We have to play him through this. It's too important. I don't think we should be changing the configuration of the team like we did last year against Villarreal. And when you lose a certain player, you lose two or three departments. We shouldn't do that. We've got to play this guy through this. If there's a perception of bad confidence or bad form, we need to play him through. Much like you played Thomas Party through. We have to play him through. We have to play him through because he's too important what he offers the team, the balance he offers the team. I don't want to see Cedric at left back. You know, there are other options we could do with the back four, et cetera, bring holding in and, you know, move White over. And we do all sorts of things now, but I want to have that left-footed power. And if we need to go back to a four-two-three-one and play on the elbow, left-hand side and push it up like worst start of the season, then let's do that. And let's create a situation a game state which suits his superpowers. Yeah. And I think that's what we might need to do, right? And and so Shaka sits in on the left back slot and he also he also babysits Sambi for his period. And that's what I would do, absolutely playing through. And on Saturday, the fans need to be singing his name because we need him. We absolutely need him to find his confidence. I tell you now, lads, there wasn't so long ago there was rumors of him being scouted by Man City to go to Man City because he was that impressive there was a debate on this very podcast should Tierney come back into the team because Nuno's playing that well and if anything he's lost his confidence he's been dropped You know, so I think we must remember always remember what you saw what you feel and that's what I felt when I first saw him I like the player he's obviously lost a bit of something I'm not stupid but we can get it back mm. we can get it back and we, yeah. we all had a part of playing that
1: and look, I think the other thing you do have to do is you have to take into account the manager's behavior, right? And and we don't know, we don't know if it really was purely tactical. I need to get Martinelli on, um, so I'll take a defender off. I mean, to be fair, Cedric came off for an attacker later in the game as well. Do you um, think he
3: was more tactical this time, ain't it? Because he like, said it was. He said, he it, said it was that like build up, and and I think deep build up. It's an issue for Nuno, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He likes to join in on build-up. He doesn't want to be the guy making the first pass on build-up. And we were lacking there. And because they were pressing party, the manager thought, you know what, I'll take Shaka out of the midfield, bring on an attacker, and I can build up from that side because he's all about build-up. Because party's being man-marked out of the game and we can't build up full stop. So I think it's more tactical. And because we saw him get took off, we think it was more... Well,
1: yeah, maybe not.
3: Well, yeah. he wasn't the only one. There's lots yeah. of people who
1: have a, yeah. a problem. Paul, I'm going to come back to you quickly, but let's not bog down here. I just know that you wanted to have a go with this. So, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I do tend to think, I, I've had a, a long time to think about this since yesterday. And my initial instinct was we, we just can't use Tavares anymore. And I went on Twitter with it, basically under the theory that it's pragmatism time. And pragn- pragmatism demands we get through this run the best we can. And if you've got a guy, because I think the second goal that we concede is more of a new no worry because to me it looks just kind of like falling asleep and not staying switched on and by the way there was a lot of weird stuff like white leaving a ball to gabriel gabriel leaving a ball to white you know the ball's in our box and no one going for it the penalty we give away is neither gabriel or white wanting to take control of the situation uh after party can't chase it so like Tavares wasn't alone in that but the more i think about it I, I i go with what clive's point is which is you've got a left back He's not perfect. He has flaws. You may have to protect him a bit, but you can just play him and leave the system that has put you in this good position right there competing for top four, still level on points with a game in hand, or you can totally tear up the system in an effort to address one position. If you go like for like, Sambi for party, Tavares for Tierney, you drop down in quality, but your system stays the same and there's continuity for the other players. I also sort of think maybe this would have been a game for Martinelli because his hard direct running pushes fullbacks back. His insane ball recovery running and, and pressing helps that left back. Maybe, just maybe, this would have been a game where he could have given Tavares a little more support in that respect, but that might be nitpicking. So, real quick, so we don't bog down, thoughts on, on the Taverez performance and if staying with him even if Arteta may look like that's not his instinct is is the way to get through this
4: yeah so uh Clive and I both watched the game again and both miraculously came to a very similar conclusion first time for everything yeah yeah (laughs) Nuno wasn't that bad outside of his clangers Uh, and on the first goal you know if that if that had been headed out for a corner we wouldn't even be talking about it. Like that shit happens all the time with Nuno. It's He's not the big error on the first goal. The second goal, like that's a massive rookie error. So there's no two ways about it. He's just all wrong on that. And like, clearly he has loads to learn. Um, but the rest of the first half, you know, it's all right. He helps build play. Uh, connects well with Smith's row. Um, there are some, promising almost attacks it's, it's nothing to write home about but it's okay so i'm i'm with clive on that one based on yesterday's performance like uh you can drop him because he dropped a clanger defensively if you want but the rest of it was okay uh, like i hope why he was pulled off really was tactical i hope there isn't the bigger issue which is what i was afraid of in the instant reaction pod uh whoever it was impersonating you mean between me.
1: manager and player
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's well, a yeah, exactly uh, an issue for the manager about the player because he's right, done right, this in some form twice. Uh, Twenty-seven minutes in the 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 cup game, uh, he was trying to get a player on the pitch. It took him till thirty-three minutes to get him off. Uh, massive frustration there. So, like, there could be the whole he finds him hard to coach thing. But in terms of the first half, and given our challenges that we have generally, fuck um rather than distorting our whole team and pulling other players into all sorts of unnatural positions um I'm I'm team Nuno for now um yeah. the rest of it was okay
1: the only thing i'll say is we've seen Gabriel Martinelli be subbed at halftime of a game that i didn't think he was playing poorly in but we subsequently know it's because he wasn't in the positions the manager expects the player to be and my my question with Tavares is We can see on the ball what he brings, his running, his athleticism. We can see some dribbling and some attacking panache. Uh, We can see some of the limitations. Everything he does is always half in control and half out of control. What we can't necessarily see is whether he's in the positions that the manager expects him to be in. And yep. that that's going to determine it. Now, and
4: given all our other problems, I vote for work with him as Clive does. But but then yeah. we don't see all the other stuff. So who knows?
1: Look, I wouldn't move Bukayo Saka to left back, which is something people want. I wouldn't go to a back three. Where do you play Odegaard? In that, is he on the right? You know, the right side of the it. T- Tim, this is where. Let's get a little big picture, and then I want to zero back in on another performance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're going to have to make a choice, I think, to either radically change what we've been doing in the absence of these players, and particularly Tierney. Go to a back three, or move sack at a left back, or shack at a left back, and and you know then suddenly you're talking about leaving the whole midfield to, um, to Sambula Conga. Or we're talking about like-for-like like changes, and you stick with the system that put you on this run. I've seen an arsenal— trying to compensate under Arteta for absences, shifting their system, doing weird things, and it didn't go well. Mm. I've also seen an Arsenal under Arteta look like one of the best teams in the league playing in this system. My instinct is to try to keep it as intact as possible, and I realize the talent of the players doing it matters as well, but I'm curious where your lean is on how he addresses it, and and I want to be clear, because otherwise you could just kill him when he gets it wrong. There are no easy choices now. No, there are no easy choices now. The choice to stick with it and just go Tavares and, and Samby is dangerous. The choice to tear it up and go to something different is dangerous. There are no easy choices.
2: No, that's right. I think I'm on the same page as most of you in that. Last, if you'd have asked me this question at half past ten last night, I'd have told you we cannot use Tavares. But having rethought it, I, I kind of think we have to uh, for sure. all the reasons that you set out, and also in the long term. I know it's 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 so difficult because we're in the short term part of the season we're in the just results matter but the thing is if Tavares doesn't start against Brighton on Saturday I think we've lost him um, and, and that's that and so that's the magnitude of the decision for Arteta here I, Like I, I think that's it his his arsenal career is probably over if he doesn't start Saturday. That might be the right decision like i I'm not like entirely married to the idea that he's brilliant and this, and that, but you know it was really fucking hard to try and get back up for Kieran Tierney and to to give up on it after a year and and look, I do think to a large extent this was a real gamble signing um on the other hand, you could say that Tin is injured quite a lot, and actually who his backup is really really matters. Um, so that there's so many different angles to this. But if we don't start Tabarez, he's gone. We've lost him. Um, it's as simple as that. And that that might still be the right way to go. But I tend to agree in terms of um, I think it would be too much of a kind of shock to the system, uh, literally the system, not least because we're probably going to have to dock to that midfield a bit because we can't give... We can play Sambi laconga, He's perfectly capable of starting Premier League games don't think he can do what Barty's been doing, though, be a one-man midfield. So we've already got to kind of bring Xhaka back into the pack a little bit. And for me, I, I'd be more inclined to address what we're doing going forward. And I'll, I'll save that because I'm sure we'll talk about that. I'd be more inclined to address and maybe tweak there. And I'd look at Tavares and say, well, look, at, at least give him the Brighton game, at least give him that. And if he completely flops that, then yeah, maybe we have to, you know, we have to think of something else. But we're gonna have to bring Xhaka back a little bit by design, which might give Tavares a bit more protection. I, I know they've <coughs> just announced that Tommy Asu can't isn't going to be back for at least the next two games, but I, I think that would help in the long term as well. But I, I'd start him on Saturday, and look, if at halftime on Saturday it's too much, then it's too much. But I, I don't think we can give up on this player at this point. And I don't think with the other absences we've got going on and possibly a question over striker that, that we can really afford to do it.
1: Yeah, and Gabriel won't be as bad as he was against Palace again. And I, I don't think it helps Tavares to have a totally, like, heads gone, not sleeping, not ready for the game, Gabriel. Nobody was ready. I mean, that's the other problem. Tavares comes into a team where everybody looked a level below the challenge necessary. Well, Tim, I'll stay with you since you referenced it. I think if Tierney was fit and party was fit, the conversation we're about to have would be a lot more acute. Mm. I think given the number of changes that are now coming into the squad and the number of young, inexperienced players coming into the squad, the conversation may be mooted a bit Mm. because too many changes, you know, even if they're warranted, create a disruption. But I felt Lacazette was poor against Villa. And I thought that this was a continuation. And I think that we were generous. And look, like against Wolves, praised him to high heavens. Generous in praising. The work he was doing to facilitate our attack, the link up, the creation, the support uh, that he was providing to midfield, even though he wasn't giving you goals and shots, we were crediting it. I think that aspect of his game has dropped off a bit now. And now we are getting neither the striker stuff, nor any really high level link up, and that one cross where party whipped it in first time, and Lacazette had a really nice view of it, whistle past him. Like we we're just see. I mean, would it kill you to make a near post run? It's yeah. He has sort of switched off the striker mentality to some extent, and so. Granted, my preamble, my rambling preamble here, Tim was, hey, we're going to have to make a bunch of changes, so maybe now's not the time. But, but if that were the it case, the time. It, it may be. All right. Yeah. Well, rescue me from this ramble, please. <laughs> yeah. What's your
2: opinion? <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. Again, it's the extent to which is this a one-off? Is it that Palace have got our number or have we been sussed? a little bit and that, and, and we don't know that yet to be fair. And again, on Saturday, it will be clearer. So I, I wouldn't be furious if Lacazette started on Saturday, because it's quite possible. It was just a palace thing. I agree with you. And we talked about it. I thought it was very poor at Villa as well. And I think, um, I think we've fallen into as fans. I don't know whether this has happened with the coach as well. We've fallen into this incredibly low expectation of this player And um, I'm not digging out the person who tweeted me this because I completely understand it. And, you know, they weren't being unpleasant or anything, but, you know, someone's like, well, he scored the winner against Wolves. And I was like, that was six weeks ago, you know, and Mm -hmm. like the way we talk about him, I'm sorry, like physically... um, I'm going to be harsh here. He's not up to the standard physically. And we talk about him like he's 36 years old. He's 30. He's supposed to be in his physical prime. And I'm sorry, he's not up to it physically. And that is not acceptable. He does not have a big injury history. And since he came, you know, when he first came over and he could only do 60 minutes, you think, okay, that's adjustment to the premier league. But like, it's always been like that. He's always been physically below the mark and you have to wonder like, why, like, what do you do in training? That means that you look like you're blowing out your ass after 30 minutes in pretty much every single game. I, I just don't think it's acceptable. I think at this point you start asking questions about why that is. He's not, you know, he's generally, he's not injured that often. Like he's got a good like bill of health, which, and, and that also suggests by the way, that he does like look after himself. Cause if you don't, you tend to pick up injuries is but like is is it just something he can't help is it just something in his physical makeup maybe it is but also i think that he's wasn't
4: there a lot of talk to him when he came that that uh he'd always had challenges kind of going the full 90 he just he doesn't have that kind of engine that was the talk before he came and for a while when he joined us uh, there was a lot of talk about uh the physical levels he can get if you want to call it his aerobic capacity it just isn't where a normal athlete is you know, yeah i'm yeah. quite impressed how he's over the season how he's kind of got up to the night doing whatever level it is for 90 minutes as opposed to 60 70 and all that match fitness has helped him but but this might just be what Who he is. can do and, and some other guys can run like kenyan marathoners but He's, he's the other end of the spectrum and it is a yeah. spectrum.
2: Yeah, and you know, look, there might be tough conversations to have about other players whose availability is just beginning to look pretty shaky on a consistent basis and whether we can, you know, we, we've had this before basing our team around guys who can only play 60-70% to 70% of the season but the, the other thing I think is to your point, Elliot, he, he seems to have given up on the idea that he is a striker at all and that he belongs in the penalty area ever and it's like, look, the link-up play, that that's all nice, like, well done, thank you, but, like, there's other aspects to the role that are really important, and you have to at least try to do them, I don't give a shit whether you like doing them or not, or whether you think you're good at them, like, tough fucking shit, you run in behind, you get in the area, you make front post runs, like, what I'm seeing from this player at the moment is not befitting of an experienced player of a leader of a captain this to me it just looks like a guy who's like i like doing this so i'm just going to keep doing this because that's what i like doing that's what i enjoy and it's it's not good enough it's absolutely not good enough and i you know I think there are um, some tough questions to be asked of this player and I think he's getting off quite likely because we all know he's going in the summer and because, yeah, it's difficult because there aren't many other options and that, let's be clear, is the only reason he is in the team at the moment. Like, if, um, you know, and I'm not saying we should have kept him or anything, but if Abameyang's still here, Lacazette's sitting on the bench at the moment, I think it's that simple. I think it's right. Okay, um, we need someone who's going to, like, score a goal and if we're not getting the link-up play from Lacazette either... Then you know we might as well not play him. But uh, and look, maybe I'm being harsh, and maybe uh, like at best he might have just been sussed a bit. He might be a bit of a one-trick pony, and because he can't slash, won't do anything else like running behind, like make front post runs. It's quite easy for defences to look after him. That's what we saw at Villa. That's what we saw at this game. We talked about it after Villa. We talked about how we should have put Aston Villa away. It should have been 2-3-0 or before we came under pressure. How Villa were able to step onto us because they knew there was no chance that Lacazette was going to run in uh, behind after anything. And um, like, sorry, sometimes you've got to do stuff in life, in work that you don't like doing that need to be done and I don't see that from this player at the moment and that's why I think his his place should be under serious consideration and even if it's not that harsh he might just have been sussed out and it might be as simple as that either way that that question is there and I'm sure that Arteta's thinking about it
1: yeah and I want to be clear like he was doing some of both of those things better in the Wolves game where we praised him. He was linking up brilliantly, creating chances, and oh, by the way, had eight shots. I think. And granted, there's game state stuff there, but like, this is a game we were chasing, and he didn't do any of that. Like, and this is the point, right? There's the near post run he doesn't make. There's the really poor header, and I realize headers are low quality chances, but it, it you know, he can do better. There's the one, the best chance of the game probably falls to Smith Rowe, but it only falls to Smith Rowe. Because Lacazette gets the ball off, I think Martinelli in a really nice spot and like can't get his shot off. And then the stuff that we've been praising him for, the layoffs and stuff. Like, do you remember there's the one he drops into midfield and there's like a no-look layoff that's supposed to go to party and goes to no one and starts a counterattack? Like, the the sum total of it right now is we were willing to give up some strikery stuff because so much good play was being facilitated. And Clive, without wanting to stick the boot in maybe as hard as Tim has. What I will say is that the strikery stuff isn't there, but now it is coming without I think as effective work between the lines. And that leads me to say what could a Smith Rowe in that role do? Could he link as well but also be more explosive in the box? What could a Martinelli do when the center backs know they've got to run? Clive, you said on the Instant Reaction pod, you talk about center backs who had an easy day at the office. I mean, You know, right now, this is a guy that if you're a centre back, I think you're you're really excited to go up against. I it gives me no pleasure to say, you know.
3: Yeah, I I sort of wanted this conversation a little while ago, and sometimes it's good to have these conversations when there's no trauma or no scars. And there was this. This has been in the post, right? We've been, and the words I always use. I think we're over-indexing some of the things that we're seeing. Right, so and I watch the games and I'm watching the layoffs and we're not talking about first time Croy volley flicks round the back, round the corner. We're not talking about that stuff. We're talking just about availability and setting the play. So, you know, when I say set the play, you don't mean by post up set the yeah, play backwards mm-hmm. where it's come from. We're not talking about funky angles here. We're talking about basic one oh one set the play. up, set, through. That's all it is, is a set up. Smith Rowe is a setter. Martelli can do this setting job. Pepe can do this setting job. I'm telling you, they can do it. We just and I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it before it was a problem. And and now we now we don't know. And now it's a problem. Because when we look at the screen, we can't see anything. And my, my Spurs mates told me this years ago, they called him Alex Lack of Threat. And I laughed. But it's true. How do you feel when you watch him? Right? So it's there's there's not enough there and sometimes when we analyze things we look at the last thing that we see but you need to look at what a player is potentially giving you sometimes when i look at him i don't see potential of across the face movement in fact the header wasn't too bad the movement he never normally does that right he hides behind people um i don't see him spinning in behind I didn't see the connectivity to either of the side pods. I didn't see him moving. Said it was desperately looking for him. I was trying to thread it through fourteen people to get to him, and he, and then he was always half a yard away. In the end, he's an important person to our dressing room. There was a period I think Gabriel made a mistake in the game, and it was Lacazette that came up to him and said, "Mate, come on, get yourself back together." And I do appreciate there's an intangible side to football, but there's also a side to football when it comes to goals and. And and the threat of a goal, and 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 we're just not seeing it, and it's something we have to make a decision on. And I think it's already too late, because none of us can say with our hand and heart any of the solutions that we can all magic up in our heads right now. We don't know if any of them can work, and because we haven't seen anything else, Mm -hmm. no. And this is why this is it, and because we had so many narrow wins. We never had a chance to experiment and have a look because we were holding on in games. You know, big games, we won them all, it was all good, right? And he was part of it. I was there against Wolves. He was tremendous in that game, absolutely tremendous. And and so it's just a matter of tactical evolution, and you have to evolve even when you're doing well. Evolve, because you will get rumbled, It doesn't take much to work out that Thomas Partey runs a whole midfield and if you can break the link from Thomas Partey to Odegaard, you break the link to the best under-21 footballer in the world. It doesn't take a super scout to work that one out. Mm -hmm. Then you're asking the left side of Nuno, Shaka and Smith-Rowe to then win the game for you. It's not happening, mate. It's not happening. You know This is what we need to do. You need to evolve your tactics even when the day is sunny. You try something new for when this day comes along. And this is the conversation I tried to have on the podcast a few weeks ago. Now we're here. We're here. And now we're thinking and we're leaping into solution mode. That's what we do. We're fans, right? We change systems. We move people around. We want to play this player. We need to evolve when the day is sunny. That is what a coach does. Overthink, overthink, think again. How can I change it? How can I change it? Because you will get rumbled. And our highlight players are so good. It's not hard to see how Arsenal play. Not hard at all. I mean, it really is simple. And now, much like my basketball terminologies, you're asking other players to score the baskets. And if we can't build up because our main man is not there, if we can't get the ball to Odegaard, who dictates all our games, if we can't get the ball to Saka, Martinelli was not in this game, but he will be back and he's now undroppable. Um, if we can't get the ball, we are not the same team. and And that is... That is it. So now we have to go again. And I've mm-hmm. got some solutions. 4 two, three, one double sixes, on the elbow, left-hand side, move the f- move our left winger inside one lane, and let's go and hammer the people. And it doesn't take much. We need to evolve it again and maybe tweak some personnel within that system. And that's how
1: I would do it. Yeah, Paul, quickly, quickly, quickly. The, the, the one thing I do want to say, look, when you have no open play goals in 17 games at striker, there comes a point where you say no matter how much you're facilitating, what what – does a goal mean in football? I, Tim famously believes that they are overrated, but they they still do <laughs> the matter. I, I kid. Look, Paul. The, the fact is, right? Like, if we don't get top four, and you look back at a nil nil that cost it to us, or a one one, and you say, what would two or three goals from Martinelli at striker have meant that we didn't get from Lacazette? And you could say, well, what would the deteriorating play have meant if we didn't have Lacazette facilitate? Like, I, I get that these are circular arguments, but you, I think. We can reach a point of stereotyping player, you know, oh, the Firmino role and things like that. But as we saw against us, like Firmino nipped in at the near post and got a goal. So it, it is a tough call. I am in, inclined to think that given that Sambi and Tavarez may be coming in, it's one change more than Arteta will want to make. But what, what are your quick thoughts on that? Paul, if you can hear me. Okay. Yep, I hear him trying to hit the mute button and unmute. I hear it. I hear the efforts. Effing mute button. See, you're you're like Locke, is that right? I know you've got good good things inside you you want to contribute, but maybe we've overstated them. Go ahead, please. Yeah.
4: Um, Look, this probably isn't the day to have this opinion, and I'm not the man to have it, so I'm not going to push it too hard because I'll piss everybody off. Um, He can't really do his stuff if we don't really get the ball up the pitch, which was our biggest problem in this game. I'm not saying he's world-class or great or anything, I still think he's important to how we play. I would not, for a moment, consider changing how we play uh, right now. Uh, uh, while I agree with everything Clive says, I don't know where the window to stop and do other things is. Um, and if if I'm the coach and I'm feeling the way I, I do, I don't think putting Martinelli or Smith-Rowe is going to magically work in the first game. In fact, I expect them to be somewhat of anonymous in the middle of the park, unless we play differently and have Martinelli running in behind, in which case we'd have to play differently. Um, like, we need to beat Brighton. And I don't think Lacazette was the problem in this game. Uh, our problems started much deeper playing out, controlling the game. I mean, it's not Lacazette's fault that everybody else was, in- and like he had some ropey passes too like you see uh the work he does when we're getting it into the final third and for the first half we you know we had three or four opportunities to get into the final third and by the way he played a role in those and in the second half so like it's not that i think he's brilliant it's not that i'm seeing something that other people aren't seeing here we've all seen at this point it works when we can progress the play up the pitch, and we just stalled in this game, and like uh, if we if people really have figured this out, I don't know that we know what we know is Crystal Palace came in all guns blazing, pressing our our defensive line and playing out, and Thomas Party. that's what we know. We don't know they rumbled how we play in the final third. We didn't do enough of it. Then they sat back. Like, we could have scored two goals in the second half easy, but we didn't. Um, Mm. So, like, I'm not saying I'm sure I'm right. I just don't see the window to do something different. I absolutely expect Martinelli or or Smithrow to be invisible as a striker in the first or second or third game they play. We don't have 15, 20 or 30 games to play here. We've nine. So, while I I agree with Clive... uh, in the medium long term and especially when we get to the summer i i don't agree for brighton and i wouldn't have agreed for crystal palace because that's like look where we're at we lost and like the world's coming to an end and like especially with all to your point with all the injuries i'm just it, it does not make me think now's the time to move shit around
1: First of all, I am losing control of this podcast as Clive now wants to add back in. So let's just be clear. that this, this, is, this is no <laughs> longer within my control. Like, here's the don't, problem, right? When, uh, when uh, you've been Elliot, on the run... See, we'd,
4: seeing as it's you and me chatting, um, don't let Clive back in.
1: You don't have the time. Sense, I don't. I am still supposed to be talking about shaping my privates too. But uh, look, just the point before I let Clive back in is that this is the hard part when you're a team that's been on a pretty good run, but there's a suspicion that there's an area that can be better. If you make that move, you may get better and you should always be trying to get better. But it is possible that you lose something you found and you don't get better. The question is, at what point do you say diving into the risk of changing is worth the reward of, the, of, of what we could be, Clive? And now Clive's on mute. I've, yeah, I've got no, just no, a bunch I, of I, muted guys today.
3: Well, I, I I think, um, yeah, I I think Lacazette will play at the weekend. There's no drama there. I just think there. I did say there were some narrow games. It's really hard for us to make have a look at things. But sometimes you have to take an opportunity to look at things. And what I think we were doing, we were just putting Eddie on as a replacement. I think we should look at other options. You know, I think there are other ways to look at things, other ways to end games, maybe in a 5 3 2 or something like that. Just other options to get more people on the pitch, like Nuno, for example, not just Lacazette options as well. I looked at this, I looked at the city. In the attacking game versus, end,
4: though, Clive, if you think back on games, we'd, very few times we had Martinelli or Smith Rowe fit and and on the bench. Yeah,
3: I, I, I did say that, and there wasn't yeah. really the game states for it as well. So I sort of yeah. caveated my opinion, but I think. What we're doing with um Lacquer is just bringing Eddie on, and I, and I don't think we learn anything from doing that because I don't think the, the promised land is in Eddie's boots, another player about to leave the club. right? So I looked at the, the City game, I thought it was quite a similar game to this, and Tim made a really good point. I think we're losing it. Um, we we played okay for last hour, right? and we really did. We played okay for last hour. Crystal Palace against City had 174 passes. Against us, they had 208 they only had 32 attacking third parties against City. Against us, they had 34, right? They had seven shots against City. They had six shots against us, but they had five on target. I think they had hardly any on target, right? So we're talking about a situation where we had them. And so if we have that many, you know, Arsenal had 147 attacking third parties in this game. So uh, although we were all we all know that eight or nine or even 10 of our players were rubbish, Absolutely rubbish. First touch, rubbish. Intensity, rubbish. Body language, rubbish. Asleep, concentration, rubbish. We still had comparative numbers. City had 174 attacking third numbers against Palace. Palace have an off-the-ball team on a hard, bouncy pitch, nice and tight, give you the outsides, travel when you try to switch it, work off your first touch, smash you. That's what they do. And so we have to have better attackers Forget the game, forget who it is. We need to have better attackers because when you've got 147 attacking third passes, you need to do more. You need to do more. And I include Lacazette in that, I include Odegaard in that, I include Smith-Rowe in that, I include Sacco in that in this day. We need more attacking threat to get where we want to get to. And we shouldn't be afraid of asking these questions. right? We shouldn't. Well, so- you know, in fact, the first thing, I'm telling you, mate, the one of the worst things that happened in this game was in the first two minutes... We have a simple three-pass combination. It goes to Smith-Rowe, and he doesn't quite control it. He goes out for a goal kick. And I felt they thought this was going to be easy.
1: Yeah, he was in. He was in. He was yeah. in. Well, yeah. If he controls that, good we're good. in.
4: Like, I'm not arguing. It, it, this might sound like it's arguing, but,
3: like, that was a lack of through ball. It was good. Oh, yeah, really, well, good. Yeah, really, really good. Really good. Yep. And it and and was a little bit behind him, or Smith-Rowe good. was overran. He, who cares, right? But it looked, you know, if you're watching that game, and all of us felt it, we're thinking, this is going to be good. This could be good tonight. Look at Smith throw out to me and run. That I set around the corner. Lovely. Here we go. Let's settle down, right? But it, that was it. That was and, it. And and, that's, yeah. Go ahead, sorry.
1: sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I am losing good uh, analysis in the interest of trying to take the reins back of the podcast, which is the wrong balance. So I'll be quiet. Um, no, 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 no,
3: no, and I just think I just want to ha- have the discussion with, with my Podcast brothers here. We shouldn't be afraid to talk about the deficiencies in our team, regardless whether we're winning or losing. We should just be able to say it. Don't ignore it. We can see it. The guy's been blowing out of his ass for three years. We know it. Tim, you've been watching it. I've been watching it. We know it. Mm. How many times you see him substituted? You know, we mustn't overindex people like this. We must just call it as it is. When they do well, well done. And but you know what? We could do better. You know, that's how we got to think, in my opinion.
1: Well, and 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 I, and I understand Paul's point, which is, do we need to do better right now or do we need to do better in the summer? And that's for Arteta to decide. And the only thing I'll say, and this is the problem with defensive errors, we didn't play well in that first half. We were totally dominated in all the duels, in all the physical aspects of the game. <laughs> we carved a few openings up that we didn't make the most of, but by and large, every touch from Oda Garden party was sloppy. Everything was bad. It was just a really poor performance out of the gates. And yet... If you don't give away two silly goals that in total amount to about 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.4 expected goals, if you just do the basics, you you're get in it nil-nil at halftime. Well, and then Smithrow takes that chance in the second half or Odegaard takes his chance in the second half or, you know, you get the penalty that maybe Lacazette deserved, I think, more than Saka deserved, and they don't get theirs. Or I mean, the point is, that second half we played well, but it didn't matter because of silly errors. So the hard part with this game is, It's the uncharacteristically dumb defensive errors that took the game out of our hands in a game where basically neither team was particularly effective attacking. We just gifted them a a lead they couldn't throw away, and it wasn't our day. Now, where I want to shift this to to finish is what we do for Brighton, what this means in the context of top four, I think it is important to point those things out. But as I referenced, if I don't explain to you the importance of shaving your privates, I have not done my job. The three things you need to do today, you need to give to the charity, you need to shave your privates, and you need to find more talent for your business. And you've come to the right podcast for all of those things. Because when you go to manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. You save 20% and get free worldwide shipping on the Performance Package 4.0. And you get the Weed Whacker for your nose and your ears. And you get the lawnmower 4.0 for your privates and the rest of your body with ceramic blades and skin-safe technology and a long battery life and wet-dry operation and a really cool inductive, char- uh, inductive charging um, cradle that you just put it in and it charges. He says, knowing exactly what he's talking about. And you get the deodorant and you get the toner and you get the shed travel bag and you get the free boxer briefs, which I am wearing right now. They are sexy, according to my wife. She said it, yuck. Um, Point is, it it is, you know, and look, the the thing with the lawnmower, and I've said this before, and I'll just say this quickly. You're going to shave, like you're going to do it. And so then it's really just a simple question of like, well, am I going to use the razor that's been in my shower for weeks and months? Or am I going to use this, you know, device that was meant for like, you know, trimming the hedges. No, don't do that. Get something that is purpose-built, that goes in the shower with you, that has an LED light. You see what you're doing. It's designed for loose skin, which is probably more information than you need, but it's because that loose skin needs to be shaved, not sliced. That's the deal. Get the Lawnmower 4.0. Get the performance package. You save 20%, which is a lot, and you get free shipping worldwide when you go to manscaped.com and use promo code ArsenalVision. Vision. Manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. Now, to get the best talent for your business, you need to use the one company that does it better than any other because... You only pay for the quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements, and you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place, and that's at Indeed. You're going to want to go to Indeed.com slash wire to take advantage of this offer right now. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or you don't pay. That's simple. How about a service that if it doesn't deliver what you're looking for, you don't pay? If it does, you do. Seems good. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, which absolutely stinks, you can just go to one that does it all. And with instant match, as soon as you post sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your must-have requirements, your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. And you only pay for the quality application that you must-have requirements. I've said that multiple times, but the point is like, like a lot of times people don't even know what to apply to on these job sites. But when you can invite someone who meets what you need, it's perfect. It's like, oh, this company wants me. I'm a good fit for them. It, it improves the whole experience. So, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the job sites combined. According to talent nest, go to indeed.com slash blue wire to claim your $75 sponsored job credit offer valid through April 30. Go to indeed.com slash blue wire to claim your $75 sponsored job credit, uh, $75 credit before April 30th. Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. need indeed. God, is that enough of that? Indeed. Tim, we're going to lose you shortly. So I want to quickly go to you on the state of the top four race for a minute. Yeah. You know, Spurs win big, we lose big. It's over, we're not going to do it, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Next week, we host Brighton. At full time, they kick off at Villa Park. By the time that game's over, it could feel the exact opposite. I think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns in this whole thing. The idea that we're going to get top four is never predicated on us being perfect. It's predicated on the flaws of the competition as well, that they won't go and run the table. But to be fair, you start looking at some of the results Spurs have posted, some of the four nils and the five nils and the five ones, you know, and and the win over Manchester City. And granted that was wrapped around losses to Wolves and losses to Burnley, but like, you know, when Conte does have the pedigree, and they do have the kind of the opposite of us, which is all their talent is basically in their striker. I'm curious where you sit with this now. Scott posted his new data that has Spurs now just favorites for it. The 538 has us just slight favorites. The Predictatron uh as it always is, is in tatters. <laughs> what's what's your sort of thirty thousand foot view of this competition as it stands right now?
2: Yeah, and like I'm not surprised. I, I, I've always thought it would go a bit like this. Like <clears throat> both teams, you know, both Arsenal and Spurs are, are kind of good but flawed at the same time. Um, I I guess I'm slightly concerned that they're coming into form, and again, we won't know until the next game really whether this is us coming out of form or or us being being sussed out. But then again, you know, when you think about being sussed out, like everyone knows what Spurs are going to do. Like everyone knows exactly how they play, but a lot of teams seem powerless to stop it. Um, They they did make a very good, unfortunately, a very good addition to their front three as well. Um, Albeit, I think generally with a Spurs front three, Son and Kane do the heavy lifting, really, and the third player is just. You know, um, is is not the biggest part of that. is is a little bit of a water carrier, but I, I don't mean that in a in a in a really reductive way. So that they seem to have sorted some issues, um, and they seem to have sorted this thing where they can't beat the kind of smaller teams who sit back. You know, they thump Newcastle um, this weekend pretty comprehensively. And and look, I've always felt they had the better running and they play us at home and we play them away. I, I think the kind of <laughs> the sad truth for all of us and our anxiety levels is it's all going to come down to the game between us on May the 12th. I, I really think it might be that simple. Um, and that's probably not good for any of us <laughs> our life ex- expectancy, but I, I do think it, it, it will come down to that. Um, I, I mean, for us... It's really, but this is an illustration of how quickly it changes, right? Because when we beat Villa, we felt like, well, we're the team in form. We've got the momentum, you know, it's all with us now, the wind's in our hair and all of that. And then just one game later, it feels different. Um, and, and I do think that that will switch backwards and forwards a little bit. So I, I've i never been, um, you know, I've never been thinking, oh yeah, we we've got this. Um, you know, because things change so quickly, they changed in our favor very quickly and they can get away from you quickly as well. But honestly, I think this will go down to the last game of the season and there won't be more than a point or two in this, which is why I think it will be decided by the head to head by the two teams on May the 12th.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also going to be decided to some extent by how much teams that have nothing to play for care to play against Spurs. Because they go to a Villa that's not playing for much. They host a Brighton not playing for much. They they go to a Brentford not playing for much. They host a Leicester not playing for much. Liverpool and Arsenal games are huge, and they have to lose them both, I think. Um, yeah. Or at least lose to Liverpool and draw Arsenal, depending how things go.
2: Yep, mm-hmm. And like the same goes for us as well. Yeah. So we've got Newcastle as well. We've got Brighton as well. Um, I, I actually think, um, to, to ruin the fun maybe, I think Everton will be safe on the last day. I do think they'll get out of it. Um, that and, would be great think, news for us, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and and they won't have anything
2: to play for. Um, you know, I
1: don't, I don't know how much champagne I can drink in that VIP box, Tim, but <laughs> I, I I don't want it to be life threatening. And if that game matters, it, it, may, it may get to that level. <laughs>
2: and uh, and yeah, and so it, th- there's plenty of factors like that that come into it. But like you say, about how much teams really want it. Um, at this stage of the season so yeah it's it's and but but the other thing the thing that's worrying I think is that I think the other thing it was going to come down to was who has their key players fit because neither of these teams has a great deal of depth in terms of quality and it feels like that's getting away from us and you know we uh not to wish injury on a player <clears throat> um but But Oh, you mean maybe maybe like an England
1: an England captain who likes (laughs) to hurt fellow professionals and gets all the calls and yeah, yeah. you know, maybe wouldn't want to wish that, yeah.
2: (laughs) You know, it it, it does feel a little like that more than the result last night, or together with the result, you know, the loss of of two key players who are who are very difficult to replace, but unfortunately we've had to get used to playing without that 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 feels like it could be significant as well. And so much for us is gonna rest on how well how seamlessly we're able to replace them, or even if we're creative to, you know, be able to do something a bit different that confuses our opposition, but not us.
1: Yeah. Well, that's well said. And I, you know, I, I wanted to get you in there. We're going to roll it back to the game a little bit and talk subs, but I, before we lost Tim, I wanted to get the 30,000 foot view. I think like Tim's point, you know, what you said, Tim is good one, which is like before kickoff this weekend, we were feeling great. They won, we lost, and now we feel terrible. And like, there's going to be more of those kind of situations maybe as soon as this coming weekend. We're going to have to ride that. The players are going to have to ride that emotion. Obviously, it's the injuries, I think, that have us feeling that little extra bit of, of concern. And so we'll see how that plays out. Tim, I believe that's going to do it for you today, correct? Uh, correct, yes. Okay, Tim's on Twitter at Storberto. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Clive, I think uh, in a previous podcast, I said the one player that this doesn't work without is Thomas Party, And now we're going to find out if that's true. Hopefully the injury is nothing serious. I don't think we really have an update yet. Um, he's going to go for a scan this week. If we're lucky, he misses no time. But I don't see that as the outcome. I would certainly take just missing one game. But it begs the question how we will... That's the wrong use of begs the question. And I want to single, single-handedly single stamp that out. It raises the question of how we address his absence. The good news is that Sambi Laconga comes in having not seen him in ages. He was sort of last seen on a milk carton. I don't know if that translates uh, internationally, but that's where like missing people would be posted. Um, He played well. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked like kind of what I remembered him being, uh, good close control, first touch, little stab passes. He looked good, but playing against a Palace team who's Physical effort had been expended at that point, and we're more focused on maybe being a little bit more compact and sitting back. So I don't know how to evaluate it, but I'm curious, Clive, how you evaluate our first look for a while at Sammy Lakanga and whether he can just be handed the reins of the quote party role or if that's asking too much of him. <laughs>
3: Yes, yeah, so the parties looked spectacular recently. Uh, not everyone loves him. I had some debates last night. And uh, suddenly those debates came around again on his first bad game in 2022. Suddenly those people reappeared in my timeline again. It's very After qualifying
1: his, his country for the World Cup. Uh, yeah, and, and, and then, going to yeah, see yeah, the
3: president. Him. And basically, <laughs> maybe the issue was before the game. A lot of times you lose games before the kickoff. And um, parties, readiness... Gabriel's readiness you know there's a few players there that travelled and just I know it went around to a Monday so less excuses but Saka's readiness there's a few of them just don't didn't look quite right so so here, we've all looked at the the past maps we can all see him in a big space there running past three, four people moving the ball around and then you sort of say to yourself well no one else can do that he's irreplaceable well Sammy came on did it a different way and so stylistically things just change I'm never afraid of change. I'm really not. I'm not afraid of change. It's the right type of change. And when Zambi comes in, we might find something else. We might find something else from Saka. We might see a level of responsibility from Odegaard. Maybe the V will be a bit tighter, you know, to, to protect against defensive transitions. And maybe that brings in our... Wing forwards from lane five to lane four, and maybe our fullbacks backs be exposed on the outside. You can, you can just push into the outside and maybe be the overlappers that you love, Elliot. And given the fact we've got Cedric and probably Nuno, they're both overlappers, so you can do things within system. We mustn't be afraid of it, you know. I, 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 I don't know, <laughs> maybe just the way I think about the game, I am always looking to change something because that's the only way to be right. So, the Thomas party. Okay, we've lost him. It looks like for, well, the games that worry me are not Southampton and Brighton. I'm no disrespect. But we've got Chelsea and Manchester United in, in on April the 20th and the 23rd. I can't see him playing both of those games, regardless of injury or not, right? So because the turnaround is just too quick. Then we've got West Ham thereafter. Those three games are huge. And I think we're going to need him back by then. You know, but will we? I'm not too sure. So Samby comes in. We adjust, we protect, we use the squad that we have. I don't see we have any choice, and he's the right player, and I thought he showed a wonderful sense of responsibility and personality for someone who hasn't played since January. And so, yeah, let's see other people step up now and um, adjust to the fact that we lost some key men and see where we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do think Arteta created a bit of a single point of failure, ironically, in Thomas Partey, in that our system was brilliant, Paul, but... It was brilliant because he was brilliant. And I think what we saw against Palace when he was off his game is everything else stopped working. The ball wasn't getting in to the Odegaard-Saka pod on the right. The ball wasn't finding Lacazette between the lines. And you know Lacazette has something to say for that too. But like Thomas Party was a bit off his game. You know what he was willing to do? A lot more last night than we've seen. Wall pass back to a defender. Wall pass back to a defender. In situations against City, against Liverpool, under immense pressure, forget the physical side of the game, he's been under pressure. We've seen him open his body, turn and face, and carry it past someone, and then all of a sudden, everything is available to us. You've got numbers. He wasn't as willing to do it last night. There's so many possible explanations for it, and Clive touched on a lot of them. This isn't about me criticizing Party, by the way. Not remotely, he's been brilliant. It's about me saying, I think we saw that he's a bit of a single point of failure for this system, and so... Even yeah. as good as Samby was, game state not w- notwithstanding, I don't know that I believe this can work with him in that role. It's certainly a big, big ask if that's what we're going to try to do.
4: Yeah. Uh, I think we've loads of reaction. Like, we're terrible losers, all of us. Like, it just really hurts when we lose. I think we lose our shit collectively. Um look party was really wasn't just pressed he wasn't a single point of failure yesterday because they rumbled us
1: can i stop you for one second though i I, just to be clear i'm not saying he's a single point of failure yesterday i think he's been a single point of failure for the last three months he just hasn't failed you know what i mean it's so much responsibility is on his shoulders to make this work bear with me though okay yeah Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, he struggled yesterday
4: for two reasons. They targeted him, but they weren't going to be able to do that for 90 minutes. Um, and other teams have targeted him. And he was incredibly sloppy. But that wasn't the biggest issue with Thomas Party. The biggest issue was that everybody else was really sloppy. Um, what you do when everybody's oppressing uh, Thomas Party is everybody else then has time and space. And we did. It's just everybody else bloody spilled the ball too. Uh, Like the left wing was beginning to function. Um, Chaka, Nuno, Smithrow were beginning to make an impression along that side. There were good movements in the first half. Uh, But on the right-hand side, you had Odegaard. um, You had Gabriel distributing from the back. Uh, Ramsdale was under a lot of pressure because of all the pressing. Um, But... His distribution wasn't quite where it's been. Like, it wasn't all about, uh, had everybody else been functioning and we'd been in form, we would have just played around it and they would have settled down and then Thomas Party would have been feeling his oats and swinging it around. It would have been okay. You can't go to Palace, get pressed by those guys, which is their game, uh, and concede two quick goals, then be rattled and everybody spill the ball all over the place and then... Uh, decide! Oh God, we need to re- totally rework our plan because everybody's got us rumbled. I just don't think. I think we're we're way over our ski tips here.
1: You, you hear that? I don't think we should do that, though. Right? Like, I I want us to keep the plan yeah as intact as possible. What uh, I'm saying uh, is, and, I think and there so, are certain players without whom I don't know if it's possible. And party would be one. Can I support so, you so, here,
3: Paul? Because I think yeah. you've I think you've literally nailed it. You've you've nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. Party can have an off game, but then Ben White can't have one behind him. And Gabriel's got to have a good distribution game. And then Odegaard's got to come deeper and get it off White. But if he can't control it, then we're going to notice the difference. If anything, Party then tried too hard. When he tries too hard, he pops his thigh. Like he was running. He was running forward into the box. He was doing everything because he's playing with a new sense of responsibility and confidence, and and he's overextended during a period when he was fatigued, and that's what happens, right? So yeah, hey, look. And I think we, what we need to go do go with
4: party or or without party, but now without party, uh, given that Nuno, like in our scenario, Clive, where we keep playing Nuno, and I think you're on board with this, uh, Elliot. I, I it, am as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know pull Chaka back a little bit. Um, yeah. And have the, especially with Sambi, like that's probably going to happen anyway. So you you need that support for Nuno without Chaka dropping into full back position. But also the best part of his game is is pushing forward. So, you know, you're going to need to pull Chaka back a little bit. That'll make us a little bit more secure in midfield, give Sambi some support. Um, I know we've all got used to the idea that we need Chaka pushing up but we also know it's not actually his biggest strength there are other ways of filling in that spot with Nuno yep. going forward and Martinelli dropping into the 10 spot or Smith Rowe dropping in so i like maybe everybody's rumbled us maybe it's not going to work anymore but i'm not going to do that off the 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 back of a Palace game that I could well have predicted the first twenty or thirty minutes. I just didn't. I just in my mind, I was not planning yeah, that we I, concede to.
1: Yeah, and to be clear, I, I think I said what made this game go the way it did is the dumb defensive errors that cost us two goals. Yeah. Not really anything else. I, and my point isn't change the system, tear it up, do anything different. I want to try to keep the system as intact as possible. I think there are certain systems that certain teams have that without those players you can't I mean like if Tottenham Hotspur didn't have Harry Kane I mean they'd have nothing but they sure as hell couldn't just lump the ball forward to him and ask him to create every chance and get on the end of every move like and, and I think Thomas party has taken on almost that big a responsibility Clive I, I guess mm. here's a question can Shaka drop into that role and you bring a Smith row into the eight and try to keep the system intact that way or is it as simple as Sambi comes in and Shaka drops into more of a double pivot
3: I, I think Samby comes in um um but it doesn't really matter. To that saying. changes
1: Odegaard's role too, right? Then he's more of a pure ten between the lines. He has to supply on both sides. No. You lose those pods on the left and right. No,
3: don't no, you? no not necessarily. It just depends where you want. you just give. just think of the game in, in possession, out of possession. So four for two out of possession and in possession, what can we depend on which side we build up, we could decide how you want to go. We could go back to the three two five build up and drop Shaka into the back line and build up that way. And I Ben White right to the right and have Gabriel in the middle. We can do all sorts of things, you know, and put Nuno higher up the pitch and be a, an offensive weapon. He may unlock some goals. There's things that we've done. There's things that we can do. They're all they're all fine by me within this, with the same personnel on the pitch, more or less, give or take one or two players. So I'm I'm not overly concerned. I think I, I want to reiterate the point. I think it's very important that there have been times when teams have targeted certain players, like Saka, for example. Then Odegaard has stepped up. You know, to have them both be a little bit off is, is not normal for us. Yep. To have Martinelli, Smith Rowe, I felt was a bit passive. Lacazette was passive in and out of the game when he did get the ball. He was inconsistent on occasions. There was just so many people off it. You know, it's just too many people. Never seen Ben White play like that for a long time. He looks so edgy. You know, my, edgy and Gabrielle played against somebody for the first time that was bigger than him he looked edgy you know they they done a job on us right they done a job on us but Villa tried to do a job on us and we overcame them because people stepped up for the periods that we needed and we didn't concede and yeah. and so I think that's the key thing it's the adaption to the tactics and you adapt to when someone is blocked off and having a darker day the other players then adapt and then they take the lead role and then they swap the role over as a game develops and then you push people back. It's just Amen, the, brother. the nature of tactics, the nature of the rhythm of a game of football. What didn't happen in this game when we did get to Odegaard, I mean, how many times did you see Odegaard miscontrolling? The technically most superior player in our side. Have you ever seen that before? I mean they honestly skinned that grass they skinned it they didn't water that one they didn't water it for City either they skinned it short bouncing around and i and i saw what they did and pep spoke about it i thought and they could, could do the Gabby same thing for us yeah <laughs> you got a new fade there and so they skinned it and that's and that's fine if you notice what palace did they ran with the ball a lot because the technical difficulty was short one pass combinations what do we like to do one pass combinations what couldn't we do we couldn't we couldn't get the ball under control so we couldn't we didn't trust our one pass combinations i'll promise you watch it again you'll see the times we were one pass how we got in so easily but every time we had to we didn't feel confident in ourselves we didn't feel confident in the surface so we had to take a touch and they pressed off our touch that was their game plan and it worked to perfection
1: yeah yeah well let's let's start to wrap this up i mean look One of the first things I tweeted at full time is I think the biggest challenge for Mikel Arteta right now is not to overreact. And we talked about this in the instant reaction pod, which is one of the best things a coach can do, a manager can do, is react to losses in a big way to get a change. But sometimes one of the most important things a manager can do is not react, to let a loss just be one loss and not mean anything more. The injuries, I think, make that harder, certainly. But Paul, I'll finish with this. The hard part now is every time we lose and Spurs win, it's going to feel like this. It's over, top four is gone. How can you think, we? oh, we have an injury, we're done. And every time it goes the other way, which it may very well this next weekend, it's going to feel the opposite. As fans, we can ride that wave. The emotions are part of the support. As a manager and to, to work with the players, he can't let them do that. So uh, really that equanimity in the group is going to be so critical. The, this run that we were on was always going to end with a thud somewhere. That's happened. Do you agree, though, that now the key is to is to let one loss just be one loss and and to go into this Brighton game reminding them the football they've been playing and trying to just reproduce that. I, I do think with all the tactical stuff we've decided, if he can keep the system as intact as possible, and that's hard when critical players are missing, that's probably the best pos- position to be in. And, and it certainly, certainly could flip around by the end of the day on Saturday and feel right back to how it did before this weekend kicked off.
4: Yeah, that's the key. You got to bounce back. Something like this was always going to happen. Would have preferred if it happened a little later in the run. Um, look, I we had a similar conversation after Liverpool. Um, we were pretty down about that, even though it was a much better performance than this. But we all said, look, uh, with almost with one voice, um, what matters is can we bounce back for the weekend game. And we did. Uh, That was the the Villa game, wasn't it? And like we came back, we played. like That's what this is all about. We've got to bounce back against Brighton. I I think the challenge for this team is, I I wouldn't have had much doubt about Arteta and this team, this squad, bouncing back for the weekend and going out at full force. Um, Except the thing that saps a little bit of that belief and confidence is when you look around the dressing room And you have these changes. And I think that was a big issue with this game in terms of why we were a little off. It wasn't just uh, the interlull stuff. We lost one or two key players coming into this game. Tierney was a big loss that we weren't expecting. Um, And so you look around the dressing room and you see uh, one or two key players (coughs) that you don't have on the roster or on the bench. I mean, look at the thinness of the bench. And that saps a little bit of your belief and your confidence about uh, how aggressive you can be. And so that's the biggest challenge this weekend. Um, I think normally with with our normal 11, our normal 14 available at the weekend, we bounce back, we go again. But if we have to make some changes or even if it's just with this, uh, well, we're going to have to make two, three changes and they're going to look around the dressing room and not quite believe the way they would have done uh, before. They kind of got to reprove themselves in this this new lineup, this new configuration. If it's Sambi, if it's Nuno getting another go, or maybe we move. Uh, let's not say how we might move it. It might be who who might it be? C- Cedric, check in that position. Let's switch Saka from the right wing to left back. No, thank you you know however we fill in that spot there hopefully it's Nuno hopefully we go again but either way the team's going to have to have a bit of a gut check and say do we believe and you got to win a couple with that new configuration where you really believe and you're not faking it so that's the biggest challenge there's it's not just can we bounce back yes we can but but it'll be a little different when the dressing room is changed
1: yeah I think that's well said, and we'll we'll just see how he handles it. We'll <clears throat> keep an ear out for what he has to say um you know during the week in his pre match press conference with respect to Thomas Party. Maybe we'll get a little lucky there. We'll see um but you know a, a lot still to be decided between now and saturday and i I do think you know we host Brighton then Spurs go to Villa and it can all look different. So let's just keep our fingers crossed. Nothing has been decided yet. Please, please, please give generously to our fundraiser. Go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com, click charity. It'll take you to the Just Giving page. You're helping children, children from refugees of war. Uh, If you listen to the last podcast episode, you'll hear what horrible things these kids are going through, and this will help children who are made refugee from the Ukrainian war, but also wars in Syria, in Yemen, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, and beyond. Um... You know, when we hit our goal, we'll draw the winners to, to be in that VIP box. Just a, a, an amazing thing that we're doing, and for everyone who's given already, I can't thank you enough. We love you for it. Thank you, and we'll uh, we'll be back with more for Patreon tomorrow for the regular pod on Thursday and beyond. So, Clouds on Twitter, Cloud PFC, and Cloud. Thank you very much. Paul's on Twitter, Paws My Fans, Thank you, Woo hoo! My name is Alex. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We love you very, very, very much, and we will talk to you after Arsenal Ten Brighton. No. <laughs>